Welcome back to The Human Exception. This week, Nathan tells us what it's like growing up as a Jehovah's Witness, an organization that many outsiders think of as just another religion. But for survivors, it's more akin to a secretive cult, rife with abuse of power and a penchant for covering up atrocities and crimes within its own ranks. Content warning. The Jehovah's Witnesses are what is considered a high-control religion, so those sensitive to religious discussions and cult-like behavior may want to take caution when listening. Nathan also shares some memories of child abuse at about 11 minutes, ending at it around 13 minutes and 30 seconds, if this is something that you want to skip. As always, expect some foul language, and let's get ready for another human exception. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't heard that in a while. Oh. The now recording. I guess you've got it muted, but. I do. I do. I do. I mean, how could you mute Craig? Um, Because (laughs) fuck Craig. (laughs) Fuck you, Craig. That's why. Get out of here, Craig. But also don't, because we need you. <laughs> <laughs> please don't leave please, us. Please don't leave us. Oh. Welcome back to the Human Exception. <laughs> Where we just yell at Craig. And have abandonment issues with robots. I think, That's true. I think we That's true. start most of our conversations with, you know, fuck Some you, Some outtake. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, there's yeah. that. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's always uh, a little a little weird snippet of our uh, of our starting conversation. Yeah, whoops. Yeah, that was something fucking random. It's great. <laughs> Gives us personality. Okay, hey, I'll take it. I'm not yeah. complaining. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, this week, uh, yesterday was Nathan's birthday. Yay! And Yay! he decided that for his birthday, he wanted to get to his own childhood trauma. So that is today. Oh my god. Yeah. It's a weird birthday present. You picked it. (laughs) (laughs) That is literally you picked up the shovel and began to dig. Yeah, I mean to be to be fair, um it it's also like two or three weeks past like my 15 year anniversary of being disfellowshipped from the Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, you mean we don't why don't we celebrate that day? Yeah, really. Why is that on the calendar? Should like that's a good point. Yeah, I should put it in the calendar. Do something <laughs> debauched and yeah, yeah, or just get high and stare at the ceiling. I mean, this seems like a pretty good way of celebrating. Um yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So I guess I will, uh, I guess I'll get into it. Um, I actually legitimately wrote something out for this. Um, because 
Otherwise, I would definitely just be all over the place. Um, trying that to, like, is... find yep. weird connections and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, but the main... My... And obviously, this is probably not going to be the first time we talk about it because there's so much to cover uh, in regards to what happens with uh, with Jehovah's Witnesses and how they deal with everything. Um, basically, how they govern themselves and their quote quote religion as a whole. Um, so. Uh, I'm going to give everyone sort of the uh, the content warning ahead of time. Uh, I am going to lay a bit of a um, a childhood uh, base to to this, and there will be some uncomfortable memories that I will be bringing up. Um, and I promise it has a it has a purpose, but for anyone out of our listeners or whatever. Uh, if you are not interested in listening to someone's memories of their maybe childhood abuse, um, Kayla, I'm gonna, probably going to turn to you to give a bit of a marker yeah. uh, as to where it's probably okay to start listening again if you want to skip ahead. Um, and yeah. Yeah. It's a good tie-in to last episode too with Morgan. So yeah, and I and I kind of figured that that was probably a a good way of, of sort of making that transition as well. Um, totally. So yeah. Uh, so as we mentioned, uh, yesterday was my thirty-fifth birthday. Yay! I'm old. Um, but welcome to the club. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> I guess to some people I'm old. We were having this conversation with my friends in a, in one of our group chats, and we're like, "Well, 35 is not old. Like, it was old when we were like 12." <laughs> but now we're That's here, fair. and we're like, "Oh, yeah, yeah." I, I I always say past 35, between 36 and 39, you're just on the wrong side of 30. Mm -hmm. Like I had said <laughs> before, <laughs> which is a weird feeling. So. <laughs> You're so, only as old as you feel. This is true. <laughs> but I'm some, with you. I get it. <laughs> some days it's worse. Some days it's better. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, but uh, to me, the more important date really is, uh, as we mentioned before, uh, around two to three weeks ago was my 15-year anniversary of finally really just completely disconnecting from uh, the Jehovah's Witness religion. Um, and I guess for those of you guys who have maybe gone onto our website and read our profiles for each of the hosts, uh, I, I sort of at one point was referring to the Jehovah's Witnesses as a, uh, a high control religion. Um, mm. and that, is more of a um, it's more of a term that I picked up when I was reading, which I still haven't fucking finished. Um, the book Crisis of Conscience, which was is a very very good uh, descriptor of why um, 
every uh, why so much is wrong with um with the Jehovah's Witnesses. And it was written by a previous governing body member and um the governing body is this group of currently eight men, uh very old men who basically say that they speak for Jehovah and they pass down all of the rules throughout the organization. Um this gentleman, Raymond Franz, left the Jehovah's Witnesses and went on to write this book really as a way of saying, um, this is all my experiences with the Jehovah's Witnesses, but, you know, you can still have a relationship with God if that's a thing that you want to do. You just don't have to do it through this religion or this cult. Uh, and he is the one who sort of coined the phrase high control religion. Um, at least from what I can, what I can gather. Uh, so for a while before I kind of came to the term, the, uh, realization or the comfortability of calling the Jehovah's witnesses a cult as it is, uh, I was using high control religion. Um, because, well, that's what it is. Um, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not really at the point where I'm sugarcoating anything anymore, uh, or at least I'm trying not to. Um, so here we are. Okay, so before we get completely into this, uh, let's talk about three-year-old Nathan. Um, as a as a young child, um, I have like four really vivid memories. Um, and I promise all of these are important. They're kind of laying out the base of, um, of what I believe led to me essentially being completely engrossed in this religion for <clears throat> over 50% of my life. Um, as far as I understand, even before uh, like that three-year mark, my family was still kind of somewhat going to meetings um it, my dad wasn't really but you know he was the head of the house so he was like to my mom you have to take the kids there because they got to be taught the way the the jehovah um it, you know my dad was very much um do as i say not as i do um and there are a lot of parents from that generation that are the same way. Um, and every, I'm sure a lot of people can um, understand. Anyway. So, again, I'm going to make this pretty clear. These four memories that I'm going to lay out are going to be kind of uncomfortable. Well, three of the four. Um, my first memory, actually kind of fun, um, <laughs> is... My dad and my mom came home with an original NES. Um, and all five of us, um, my sister, my brother, my mom, and my dad, sat down. And we were playing NES for the night. Um, it was great. It was awesome. Uh, we had a lot of fun. Mario died a million times that night. Never met his princess. Not once. That was my fault. I'm sorry. I'll try and make it better. Um, the second memory that I had 
uh, not even five feet away from the place that we were all sitting down and having like this good family time. Um, my dad had this dartboard and his workout bench set up. And I was young. I didn't know any better. Uh, I found the dart still sticking into the board. And I realized that the sound of the pt, pt, pt in the faux leather of the uh, of the workout bench sounded really cool. So I pumped about 7,000 holes into his workout bench. Um, obviously hurting really nothing and no one. Um, but this obviously led to what I recall as the absolute worst beating I had ever received in my life. Um, and even thinking about it now, I can still feel like the fact that I, I couldn't breathe because my dad was the kind of person who preferred violence as one of his languages and decided that it was appropriate to spank a three-year-old beyond the point of being able to breathe because I was crying so hard and just continued on. Um, like, to this day, when I think about that, I just, like, lose my breath. It, it was one of those weird... Obviously, it's a psychological thing. I don't think about it often. Um, but when it comes up, it's like everything just sort of seizes. Um, the third memory that I have is uh, of my sister and I. And we're hiding under the covers in her, um, in her bedroom. And her bedroom was directly under our, our kitchen in our house. And we could hear um, my mom and my dad fighting, just having the worst yelling match upstairs in the kitchen. And obviously, as kids, we were like, well, if we have the covers over our heads, nothing can hurt us. Um, and I mean, I don't know what the argument was about. My assumption is that, you know, my mom caught my dad doing something super shitty and he was yelling at her because he needed to justify that he was allowed to do it because he was the man of the house. Uh, cause that's how Jehovah's witnesses work. Um, but it was also how he worked. And the last memory I have is uh, of me standing in the front yard of my home uh, after my mom decided to leave. Uh, and this was like the moment that she was like, okay, I'm out. Fuck this. I'm gone. And I'm sitting by my mom's, I'm standing by my mom's red Pontiac and she's getting ready to get into the car. And my dad and my sister and my brother are sitting, uh, standing on the steps of our house. And they are all just kind of like, and my brother's a couple steps into 
the lawn trying to like make this decision like do i go with mom do i go do i stay with dad and my sister um eventually he made the decision to stay with my dad and it was sort of in this instant that my sister won custody of us kids for my dad because um my brother wanted to stay with my sister and my sister wanted to stay with my dad because all of her friends were where we lived. Um, she was 12. Uh, she was sort of old enough to make those decisions by law to be able to be like sticking with my dad. Uh, I've got my friends here. I've got my life here already kind of building. Uh, and my brother was like, well, you know, it makes sense. I've got friends here too. And, and so on. Um, and then my mom didn't want to split us. So she sent us back to, she sent. She was like, "Okay, well, you know, it makes sense to have all of you guys together." Um. So, again, I'm not really trying to. It, it, I guess in this in this sense, I'm not really trying to paint my dad as the villain, even though, like, in a lot of cases, he definitely was. Uh, in in my childhood. How old uh, was your brother? Uh, nine. Nine. So there's three of you? Yeah. So my sister was 12. My brother was nine. And then I came six years later. Okay. Right. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I, I guess in this instance, I'm not really trying to not sharing the stories of, of these memories to really justify anything, um, but to put into context the events that I sort of believe uh, that led to what I refer to as the spiritual education of little Nathan. Um, uh, essentially what brought me to the Jehovah's Witnesses religion in the first place. Um, And to kind of give you guys a bit of an insight as to, you know, what my, what my dad was like, uh, when I was growing up and basically who, uh, it was basically him, um, who ultimately brought my siblings and I further into, uh, the religion, the cult, uh, as, as Owen likes to say in, um, the telltale videos that he puts out of the cult of Jehovah. Basically what, what it was, was, you know, before my mom and my dad split, he was what the JWs would call like an inactive publisher. Um, he would occasionally show up to meetings. Uh, he would definitely use religion as, a, as his excuse for shitty behavior. Um, and he wouldn't stray too far. He was always like within arm's reach of the religion because he knew very similar to what happens to hundreds of thousands of people every year that if he stepped too far away that his family would disown him um so we were always within arm's reach uh so however his inactivity was whatever decisions he was making at the time um I'm I'm pretty confident that it was the 
uh, it was the decision for my, of my mom and I'm not putting the blame on her. She absolutely made the right decision. Um, but the decision of my mom to leave my dad that pushed him farther back into the religion. Um, you know, we, we were discussing, um, people and their reactions to the things with, uh, with Morgan in our previous episode. And, um, my whole, my whole thought is, you know, there are, there are kind of like three types of people when your life spirals out of control, right? Like we have our flight or fight, our flight or fight. Um, but we also kind of freeze, right? There's an option where maybe flight or fight doesn't happen. You just freeze and you stop and you don't do anything. Um, I feel like that happened to me at one point in my life, um, where I just stopped and nothing progressed and nothing reverted. It just stayed. Um, my dad definitely chose flight. Um, he felt like his life was spiraling out of control. Um, he wasn't pushing through anything. He wasn't trying to use this opportunity to grow. Um, so instead what he did is he retreated back into what he knew and what he knew was a familiar place where whatever ideals that he held would be upheld by his family, by his church community. Um, and then also by the rules of those of that community. So, um, very, very, very quickly after, uh, after the split, my dad was like, well, I guess I'm all back in because I don't have a wife to take the kids to the meetings anymore. And so he would bring us all to the weekly regular meetings um, he fought really hard to become a, a, a good Christian man as he always saw himself as, um, and in a few years, uh, somewhere between the ages of four and six, uh, he met my stepmom. Uh, they got married at the local kingdom hall that we would always frequent. Um, and once he had his wife and his two new daughters locked in, he was basically viewed as the ideal man with the ideal Christian family. I mean, the reality is, is he, he just, he managed to, to rebuild what he thought he was expected to have. Um, and regardless of his behavior, that's the word I was looking for. Uh, regardless of his behavior, he would be backed up because now he was fully ingrained again. Um, that with all of that said, he was now ripe for the picking within the congregation to be promoted to that special place that everyone discuss as Jehovah's witnesses. Um, he was now able to be in a place of power and control within both his family and within the kingdom hall. Um, which I'm sure he was elated about. Uh, so they eventually promoted him to 
uh, an elder within the congregation, um, which completely changed the dynamic of our family. Um, now, as the family of an elder, everyone was under the microscope. My stepmom, all three of my sisters, my dad, my brother, and me. Um, and, you know, things obviously weren't perfect, but it didn't matter what happened in the house. You know, even if we made some sort of complaint to someone, well, your dad's an elder and he knows what's best because the elders know what's best. Um, he's obviously not going to be doing anything that's against, uh, against what Jehovah thinks. So don't worry about it. Um, that's, and, and at this point, this is where the, the talk of, of my dad kind of stops. Um, because I want to give you guys more of a, um, more of an overview of what, uh, of what like the week in a life of a Jehovah's Witness looks like. Um, and obviously I don't want to keep talking about my dad because fuck that guy. Um, but uh, eventually the topic will probably, we will preferably in a, in a later uh, episode probably come back to that um, because a lot of, um, a lot of the things that might happen uh, within an organization, um, you know, I can I can obviously relate to relate to on a personal level, um, and it's easy it's easy easy to use my dad as a bit, a bit of an example because of the things that he has done and the things that I have experienced and and so on. So. Um, However, the idea of being a Jehovah's Witness in general is all-encompassing. It doesn't matter whether, any, and, and obviously, um, when you consider yourself a Christian, you're not just a Christian when you're at church, right? Like, you, you have a set of values that you believe in, um, and generally it's your singular community your church in general that your values sort of revolve around right like there's you can say you're a catholic but you know not all not all catholic churches um follow the line to the niche like to the not all t's are crossed i's are dotted if you will however with jehovah's witnesses if you're not in lockstep you're in trouble, basically. Um, and that will be found out, and there will be consequences of some kind. So, to start it off, um, we'll start with, with our Mondays, uh, beginning of the school week for me. Um, you know, 8 a.m. to to 3.30 p.m. I was in school. Then I got home probably around four. And this is what? public school, right? Yep, public school. Yep. 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 I I was just gonna ask that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay. They weren't concerned that you were going to get, like, you know, exposed? Well, they, they were. Obviously, they were. Um, and that's, that's one of the... But, but their big thing is, you have to go to school, but you only have to go until high school. You know, getting education beyond high school is unnecessary. Um, mm. And we for sure aren't going to send you to a private school because, well, the religion doesn't encourage post-secondary education because smart people leave, right? And that's a threat, yeah. It is a threat. Absolutely it is. Yeah. And But they, they refer to what they call secular education uh, as a... Um, it, it's a, it is a threat to them, and they they say, well, they teach you all of these things, and that and that'll you know influence your your view on Jehovah and his organization. It'll it'll start making you think bad things. Okay, well, basically, what you're saying is continue to be a fucking idiot. Um, and we've got you by the balls. Good, wow. good. Um, so yeah. So seven and a half hours of school, right? Maybe six hour breaks. Um, and then, you know, we get home by four and we got like maybe an hour to just chill out. And then we have dinner as a family right at five. My dad was very adamant that everything had to be on the table at five. He'd start to get cranky if anything, if it was after. Um, and then at like six thirty seven, we would do, uh, on Mondays specifically, what was our family study night. So family study was anything that the Jehovah's Witnesses organization had available for us to study. It could be anything, any Monday. Um, if we were studying a specific book as a family, then, you know, we would generally study that book the whole way through front to back. Um, and it would be, we would study together for an hour or more, anywhere from like an hour to an hour and a half, whatever, you know, if my dad wanted to hit a certain part, part in the book, we were there for an hour and a half. It took that long. Um, and usually, but usually it was something of relevance. So. Um, if one of us has been, yeah, been caught doing something that, you know, my step, my dad or my stepmom didn't like, um, or, you know, it wasn't appropriate based on the religion, it was the perfect time to pull out the questions young people ask book, um, or whatever other, um, article or book. Um, like an old Watchtower article or whatever that may discuss this alleged inappropriate behavior. Um, but this was obviously after the separate punishment one of us singularly would get for doing whatever wrong we did. Uh, the idea was, though, that you would never pass up the opportunity to punish every child in the house 
for the wrongdoing of one by drilling in this information into all of them and family study night. Um, and, and that's just how it was. Um, if we were really lucky, um, neither one of them would really know what to study for the night. Um, and let's be honest, like it wasn't, it was never my, my stepmom that was making any decisions for family study night. It was always my dad. Um, neither one of them would really know what to study for the week. And we would maybe sit around for an hour studying something that was coming up for one of the meetings, um, for the rest of the week, which would, and these were always the best family study nights because it would free up a night for me to do something non JW related. Like I could just play games for an extra couple hours, um, on a day. And, and that, that didn't happen a lot. Um, but sometimes it did. Uh, so moving on to Tuesdays, uh, Tuesdays was a, um, what they called the ministry school meeting. Uh, and obviously being the kid of an elder, um, you know, home at three 30 dinner at five, immediately getting ready for the meeting that night. Um, because if you're, if you're one of those high profile people, you have to show an example and you have to be there early. And we were always the first family there. So if it was, if the, the meeting always started at, at 7.30 and we were out of the door of our house by 6.50 to be there at 7 at the very latest. And then people would show up like five, ten minutes later. So we would be in an empty kingdom hall for, for five or ten minutes just being like, all right, well, what do we do? Um, it was just very like... I don't I like I don't I don't really have any other explanation for it but um it was almost like my dad thought that if he wasn't the first person there he wasn't the best elder he could ever be and like the other elders in the congregation were only if like showed up 15 minutes before the the meeting or 10 minutes before the meeting like they don't they were not that methodical about it um yeah it was a thing uh, to give you guys an example of what happened during our, um, during our meetings, uh, I'm going to give you a link to the JW.org library. Um, most folks I will recommend, please do not go here. We don't want more traffic going to their site. Um, we just really don't want them on the top of Google searches. Why would you want that? Mm -mm. Um, However, this is a very good indication. Uh, I didn't realize, uh, and it's new. This is, this is a very recent, um, my kingdom ministry pamphlet that they use. And they only ever use once one per month. Uh, But it has a layout of what the meeting is supposed to look like these days. So, uh, 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 you can open up any one of them. It doesn't matter. Oh, I feel dirty downloading this. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I was I was just gonna say like <laughs> I don't uh, like this at all. Uh, right? Gusta, this is not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's oh, see. Boy. I will. Uh, no, I just no. want. Real quick, because I have it open, and I'm sure you're going to talk about this, but yeah. um, it says, like, s- do you guys have, like, a separate hymn book? We do. Because I know. Okay. All right. But I say we. They do. Yes. And I said you guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, so, yes, they do have a... Uh, wow. I don't even remember what it's fucking called. Uh oh, I, I guess it's I guess it's called Um I guess it's just called a songbook. Okay. That makes sense. Yes. It was part of the regular um it was part of the regular JW Arsenal. Um so yeah, the the starting um, what would happen is essentially um, music would start and as right at 7.30 you would do your your song with the congregation and then someone would get up and do uh, do the prayer to begin the meeting. Then there was a 30 minute um, congregation study situation that would go on so basically whatever was in the whatever was in the list for jehovah's witnesses globally to study that's what you would be studying um as a whole every single every single um ministry meeting that week would be using the book and chapter four paragraphs one to 15 um, with the provided questions in the book um, for that 30 minute segment, no matter where you went, no matter what language it was in, it was all the same. You could, you could be anywhere in the world and you would be getting the same content. Um, then they would start what they refer to as a theocratic ministry school. Um, and I did a million Bible readings in my lifetime. It always had to be, um, uh, uh, oh, mm-mm. Bible reading is new. Um, that particular like eight minute Bible reading, that one is new. The number one talk, however, would be the one that I have done a million had done a million of, where you had to read through a shortened segment of the of the Bible in like three minutes or less. Oh my god! Yeah. Uh, then you have your number two talk, which was always. Um, which almost a hundred percent of the time was done by females. Now, 
obviously based on the Jehovah's Witness religion, females cannot teach. So they are not allowed to stand at the podium and do the Bible reading. They are not allowed to stand at the podium and do the number three talk, which is a five minute teaching piece. However, they have the number two talk, as you mentioned, as you see, is a theme. So basically what it is, is it was always done in the theme of like a Bible study. So you would have uh, one of the sisters up there with their partner, and they would do a demonstration basically for five minutes. Still teaching a lesson. But because they were women, they technically weren't teaching because they were sitting down and they were just having a discussion and we were supposed to glean information from it. That is, that was the workaround. Um, and then obviously the number three talk is a little more involved, a little more research um, on something uh, specific. So yeah. Um, then you would, they would, after all of that was done, you would do your second song, which would break up the two parts of the meeting. Uh, the second part was the service meeting, which was basically all talks um, discussing a myriad of different things. But this Our Kingdom Ministry book or pamphlet um, would often be uh, used at least in one part. Um, the last 10 minute talk, take, take as a pattern the prophets, is the first article on this pamphlet. And so this is what we would study for the last, um, for the last part of it. Um, the other meetings were, you know, maybe, maybe we have to bring a different, oh, a different watchtower from like five or six years ago because that's relevant to today. So make sure you dredge that up from your, uh, you know, from your articles um, or your, you know, your recycling because whatever. Um, but yeah, there you go. Um, it, at this one, this is a 2015 December kingdom ministry that we're using, but they're like, okay, well, we want you to bring in a, a watchtower from a year ago. Um, as, as a piece of information to be able to study with us while we're going over this talk. Uh, and then the next one is make sure you bring your ministry school book because that's also going to be part of our, you know, meeting to follow along with. Um, so it was very like, it was very strict and it was very calculated and everything is set up for each month, what is relevant and what they're going to teach. Um, Wednesday nights, usually were pretty free. Uh, I remember, what, you know, watching Beast Wars and Shadow Raiders and Reboot every Wednesday. I got to do that. But I also had to study for the Thursday night meeting, 
which was our book study group. So as long as I got my studying done for my Thursday night meeting, nobody would complain. Um, so on Thursday nights, uh, the book study group is, again, whatever is relevant to the religion as a whole. Um, we would split the congregation into a bunch of smaller groups. Um, our house had a group come over, a group of about 10 or 15. Um, and we would, we would have one person reading the, the paragraphs that we're supposed to study. And then we would have the, it was basically a question and answer situation. Um, the, the big issue that I saw here was that there was an expectation that everyone go somewhere and almost no one's homes were accessible. Uh, luckily anyone who's disabled old uh, or older and, and had a hard time getting around, um, was usually sent to the kingdom hall for their Thursday night, uh, book study meeting. So that maybe to me that's that's a bit of a um uh, a piece of inclusion right uh they're making sure that they were keeping those folks safe but like there's huge liability um in sending enforcing like your church members to open up their home to other church members for weekly worship uh as far as i understand the thursday night meetings do not exist anymore uh, because of the liability issue, as far as I understand. Um, however, um, the Jehovah's Witnesses, the governing body, portrayed it some other way, like, uh, you know, we, it just isn't necessary anymore. Uh, we want people to have an extra night to, to themselves to spend with family kind of thing. Um, but you can guarantee that there was obviously some sort of liability issue that they weren't covering. Um, and Do you know what it was or what it might've been? Cause I'm not sure. Cause like, well, like if you're, I did, if you're sending your congregation of people, you're saying, well, you have to split up for, you know, more intimate, um, like a Bible study group, Bible study groups. And forcing them to go to other people's homes. If there is a injury there, all of those people are there because they were told to be there by their religion for worship. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, like if I, if someone steps into my home and then falls down my flight of seven stairs into my basement, because that's where the Bible study was and they get hurt, well, I can put it back on the religion. Well, they were supposed to be here because X, Y, Z. Um, and I think that's the, I, I assume something probably happened or happened enough times that, uh, someone eventually was like, no, you told us we had to be here. Uh, so we're not paying <laughs> for whatever situation this is. Um, yeah. Weird. Yeah. It was, it was as far as, uh, I know that it was relatively recent that they stopped happening. Um, but that's all I know. Yeah. 
Uh, Friday nights were free. Oddly. Um, Saturday morning was door-to-door service. And so we would be up at like 7.30 or 8. We'd make sure we had breakfast. And then our book study group, the people who were in our book study on Thursdays, would show up at our house around like 8.39 to have a short, you know, gathering meeting basically to set up our car groups, do our, our morning prayer together, and then we would all filter out into our car groups and start going street to street, knocking on doors every single Saturday um, until about 11 o'clock in the morning. And then we'd stop for coffee. And then some people would continue to go out longer, you know, a couple more hours or you would just head home. Um, my dad's favorite place to go was the A&W. Uh, and I also worked there uh, in high school. So generally what would happen is I would always do the 1130 to 8 shift when I was there. So we would stop just before 11 to go for coffee. I would run in, get changed, come out with my work clothes. And then we'd go to A&W, have our coffee, and then I would start working. And then I would work till 8. And then... I would come home and I was immediately expected to study my watchtower for Sunday morning's meeting. So Saturdays were non-existent for me as a Jehoswitz kid because I chose to work and make money. Um, And is this from like a young age that they have you doing this? Yeah. Yeah, Jeez Louise. Yeah. I mean, obviously I didn't start working until I was like 16 but sure, like sure still regardless still yeah okay that's it for this week next week we're back with part two if you're interested in hearing more about the Gen Sega and the Final Fantasy 7 house the internet investigator recently released a video covering the topic AJ worked with them to help provide some details and uh it's definitely worth checking out and is a good summary of everything that has happened so far Uh, Check it out on YouTube. Again, that was the Internet Investigator. As always, links, pictures, and additional information can be found on our website at thehumanexception.com. Keep up with all things exceptional. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at The Human Exception. Have a story that you want us to cover? Want to tell us that we're wrong or just want to say hi? You can email us at thehumanexception at gmail.com. And if you want to get on the fun, come join us on our Discord server. A link can be found on our contact page. Also, check out our merch store. link can also be found on our website. Keep on being exceptional, my humans, and have a wonderful weekend.